This is On The Grid, powered by theracetalk.com on mypodcasthouse.com. G'day everyone and welcome to another episode of On The Grid here on mypodcasthouse.com or whatever you're listening to us on, on iTunes and the like. Thank you for joining us again this week. Thank you to our great friends at Truck Assist, of course, who have come on board as a sponsor of not only us, but also our proud partner. Of course, we are powered by theracetalk.com. So we thank Truck Assist for all their work. Going to be plenty to do with them over the next few weeks, especially heading into the Enduros and Jack LeBrock as well. So look forward to doing more with Truck Assist over the next few weeks. Joining us in just a sec, Joel Rogers will join us. We'll have a chat to Tony Alberto. Plenty to talk to Tony about in regards to the world of TCR, endurance racing and the like. And then Mark Walker to join us after that with a preview for Pukekohe coming up this weekend. All that to come right here on The Grid, powered by theracetalk.com. As we say, g'day to Dale Rogers from theracetalk.com. Hello, Dale. Tony, how are you, mate? Nice to be on again. Lovely to have you on as well. Unfortunately, Richard can't be with us today. He's making his way over to New Zealand as we record today for what should be a uh, a big weekend of racing over there at Pukekohe. We're going to have a chat to this man about that and also other things as well as we say g'day also to Tony Delberto. Hello, Tony. I'm good. How are you guys? We're excellent, I believe. Uh, was you're a, you're a busy man at the moment uh, for a guy that hasn't got a full time drive. You got enough to mm. keep me going though, and uh, one of the one of the main things I suppose that's on the calendar for you and is going so well is uh, TCR racing. You're there with War Racing in the Honda Civic Type R car. Tell us all about the TCR racing and uh, how much you're enjoying it. I am actually really enjoying it, and it's probably the well, it's the first time probably in about five years that I've I've done a sprint championship before. I've actually had the car to myself I haven't had to share with somebody else and obviously doing the supercar stuff with Fab is amazing um, I've done a lot of GT racing over the last few years as well but just to have the car to myself and um, it's obviously a new championship to Australia uh, and a front wheel drive category that we don't have any experience with so that's been really really challenging uh, we've been learning a lot each time that we go out there um, but we've had a pretty good year so far. You know, we, we've put on pole at the start of the year there. Uh, we've had a few podiums now as well. We're third in the championship. So it hasn't all been bad, but there's certainly room for improvement. We're, we're trying to tick off uh, a couple of wins before the year ends as well. Tony, it's probably pretty well known that AIG has, has you know, come in and done a really good job on, on not only packaging this up, but a number of other series and also taking some category management on uh, as you say, it's a new thing to study, but you have to say the cross the varied tracks that these cars are run on, um, out of the box, they've provided some really scintillating racing, haven't they? They certainly have. I mean, the, the parity is obviously very close, and that's um, a worldwide parity. Um, we obviously know TCR is all around. I think it's in 16 different nations. Um, so that side of things is really well looked after. But the parity is close, but they also have... Um, Different makes have different strengths. So, for instance, with the Honda, uh, we're probably one of the better handling cars, uh, high-speed aero sort of circuit, but we actually lack quite a bit of straight line compared to some of the others. So we're finding that you know we can do a lap time in qualifying that's almost on pole every time, but when we get racing, sometimes the tracks don't quite suit our strength and they suit mm-hmm. other people's. And 
I suppose that's the beauty of having a, a category that has parity, but not to the point where it's follow the leader and you can't do anything about it like we see in other forms of motorsport. So mm-hmm. um, the racing, though, has been really tight. Um, and the one thing that I've found, you know, these cars don't have a, a huge amount of power. So momentum comes into it. And, you know, you make a little mistake, you, it really hurts you. So you got to drive the car really well to not only do a lap time, but also manage tyres over a race, um, you know, game position and defend as well. So I found the racing quite intense. And, um, you know, I think that that's really going to sharpen me up as a race driver and, and get me ready for some of these bigger races later in the season. I think one of the things that I've loved about the category so far, Tony, is that mix of uh, drivers uh, across all the, the brands of the cars, uh, the impetuous youth of Dylan O'Keefe and Willow Brown, the experienced drivers, Bridie, yourself, Garth Tander, guys that have been around for a while, the girls who are really starting to make their yeah. mark in the category as well. There's such an eclectic mix of, uh, of drivers and, and cars. It's just, it, it's exciting. It is exciting. You know, recently we also had Russell Ingle come in and do a few rounds yes. and he's been a star performer straight out of the box. So, um, and yeah, obviously Will, Will Brown, he's uh, won quite a few races now and same as, as Dylan there. But, you know, there's, there's quite achievers out there. Aaron Cameron's been doing a great job in the Volkswagen. Um, so you know, there's, there's heaps of talent in amongst some experienced guys as well. And I think, you know, with having Bridey, um, and myself as well, and, and Russell, um, Garth, it's a bit of a yardstick, I guess, for some of the younger guys. Um, but I'll tell you what, they're, they're, um, they're not slow, and they're, they're willing to have a, a big crack as well. So they're keeping us on our toes as much as we're keeping them on their toes. So um, it, it's been really varied, and, and as I mentioned, like depending on what track we go to, we get different strengths for different cars, and suddenly someone that hasn't quite been performing that strong. We saw a Winton in the last round, uh, Andre Heimgartner put on the front row with the Astra. And, you know, they haven't been that, that quick all year. You, you also got James Moffat and Chris Pitter in the, in the Renaults. And, you know, they've popped up there quite a few times as well. So all the way up and down the field, everybody at some stage has been at the front. They've been mixing it for, the, for a podium. And it's just really good to see that... Um, no matter what car you're in, you've got a chance at, at a particular circuit to get a podium and or take that win. It's an interesting model, Tony. I mean, motorsport around the world uh, talks about manufacturers and the involvement. Mm. The manufacturer model in this, in this case is quite different, though, isn't it? Because it really is a manufacturer support role. So Honda is supporting you to a degree. Renault have now stepped up and put a little bit into Gary Rogers Motorsport. So mm. it, it actually is a formula that manufacturers can get involved with um, not at the level of perhaps they have to at, at other categories, including supercars, but all sorts of other categories where manufacturers have to really rattle the can. So I guess we could well see, although we've got eight brands on the, on the, the grid now, we could mm. well see a number of manufacturers in Australia returning to motorsport, which I guess really has got to be a good thing. Well, I think it, it uh, you know, goes to show, you know, having Honda have some involvement this year. You know, they haven't been in motorsport in Australia for quite a few years. They were involved in a rally program a little while ago and uh, they haven't been involved since. They've obviously got a massive presence in Formula One um, and other categories around the world. But, um, you know, this year's very much been towing the water for those guys. Um, but they've been enjoying it as well. So I've sort of brought them along for the journey and, um, you know, they can see some of the benefits in, and excitement around the category. Mm. Um 
but you know, TCR, it's very difficult to compare TCR and supercars because budget is, yeah. is very different. And yeah. I, you know, it, you sort of you're not comparing apples with apples, but I think you know the cars are fairly affordable, uh, and the budget required to go racing isn't horrendous either. You know, we, we all know about motorsport and and how expensive it is. So, um, but the interesting thing is, say for instance, Honda they can't go and run a team. Uh, Renault no. can't have a factory team. So they're supporting local race teams, uh, and that, that's the way the rules work. So if they can have some sponsorship but it's got to be run by an independent team. Yeah. So I think that's where it's a little bit different to some mm. other categories mm. around the world. And I think the great thing about it is, and uh, you were obviously around in these days, Dale, when they spoke about win on Sunday, sell on Monday, that's definitely what this category is uh, is is enabled to do for manufacturers who get involved. Once it gets bigger and once it gets a, a bigger profile, that profile's nice now, but obviously it'll want to get bigger, these mm. cars will win on Sunday and hopefully people go out and buy them on the Monday. That's right. I mean, for instance, you know, the, the Type R is very similar to the race car, um, obviously, in looks. And it's something that, you know, people can relate to a little bit more. But, you know, it's, it's, I come back to the supercar um, analogy. They're, they are purpose-built race cars. And while they do sort of have a bit of DNA around them, um, there's not heaps that actually is part of the road car. Um but I think it, it attracts a different crowd, and I think that's probably more where mm. the, yeah. the excitement is. You know, um, you know, somebody owns a, a Type R or Renault Megane isn't somebody that might buy a, a Mustang or something like that. Mm. So mm. it's just a different crowd, and it's probably a younger crowd in many mm. ways as well. So the interesting thing is we're getting uh, car clubs coming to the event, um, you know, come and watch the racing. So... There is a, a lot of interest there, and I think you know it's, it's come out of the blocks pretty hard, or pretty fast, I should say. Uh, it would just be really interesting to see how, you know, over the next few years, how it can really survive, um, because it's got to come a point where, you know, the category is supported by manufacturers or sponsorship, and as we know in Australia, it's very, very tough um, to try and raise that sort of money going going yeah. forward. So, it's exciting. It's all heading the right direction, and. Um, I think it's got a lot of legs, uh, but I think the next few years will really tell. Tony, the, um, you mentioned at the beginning that, that it's, it's, a, it's a great thing to keep your own, and, and you've been doing a lot of racing in, in TCR the GT. So we move now to, to where the, uh, the real interest, I suppose, of Australian motorsport is, and we have a very strange endurance series by the fact that we're kicking off at mm. Bathurst. With your racing program this year, and obviously one of the other co-drivers, diving straight into Bathurst must must set you guys up very well to say, well, I'm race ready, I'm race ready. I, I didn't need that Sandown 500 to get me going. So he must be really quite confident going to the established you're in a, you're in a good good position. We are in a good position. I mean, there's no doubt that the Shell V Power guys are. Yeah, you know, the best team on the grid at the moment. The first, second, the championship. The the cars are really quick and. The guys in the team do a really good job of getting everybody ready for those events. Um, but I, you know, I do play my part as well, and, and that's getting doing as much racing as I can outside of supercars. And you know, the TCR program and GT racing, it all you know gives me race fitness, keeps me sharp, um, and I'm really hoping that you know going to Bathurst for the first enduro is just going to be like going to another race meeting. But yeah. um, to say that it's not 
it's just another race is, is probably un- downplaying it. You know, it is our grand final. It's, it's all the one that everyone wants to win. There's, uh, there's a lot that goes with that event. So, um, Sandown was a nice little lead up, but I don't think it's, uh, it's going to be a problem going to Bathurst either. I've, I've done quite a few Bathurst now. I'm showing my age a little bit, but I think it's 13 or something like that. So, um, I've been around a little bit, I guess, and, and it, it doesn't intimidate me going to Bathurst for the first one. I've already done the 12 hour this year. Um, so yeah, I, I think preparation wise, um, I'm the best that I, I could possibly be. Next year it'll be different. We'll have the Benders the lead into Bathurst, uh, so it'll be back to sort of normal to an extent in, in regards to having that uh, that warm up endurance event. But I love this. I, I really love the yeah. endurance series starting with Bathurst, and they do it in NASCAR, don't they? When they start with the Daytona 500. Yeah, they certainly do. I mean, it's, it's just um, it's the excitement around Bathurst is even if it was the last event on the calendar, it'd still be a really exciting event. Um, but, you know, Talent Bear next year, that's going to be uh, a great event as well. I mean, I've done breaks there a couple of times now in the GT car, and each time I go back, I learn a little bit more, and I enjoy the circuit more and more. So I think in a supercar, it would be quite tricky to drive around there, um, but it's definitely an amazing facility there uh, out of Talent Bend. So I'm already looking forward to that uh, to that event. I, earlier this year when I raced the GT car there, Fabs texted me and said, Looks like they're going to be doing enduros next year, so learn as much as you can. You know, make sure you know the circuit and you're ready to go. So, um, yeah, looking forward to that um, very much. So, but we've got a big job ahead of us now. We're going to be back to Gold Coast and Sandown ahead of us, and it's an exciting time of the year for me. I mean, I wait all year. I see these guys getting all these amazing results during the year, and I'm sitting on the sidelines just waiting for my turn. So, uh, we're almost there. Almost there. It's uh, it's year four, uh, Tony, for you at the CJH and Pensier. And, and uh, you start, obviously, with Scotty in 16. And then, yeah. Uh, you and Luke were both there, and uh, you, you retained the gig. Uh, mm. with, moved off to, to try with Davey. But, but it, it's really now, after that time, it must be you must be very proud of the fact that you, you've really become part of what is the best team on the grid, and you're a very, very important part of that now. That must be, for you personally, must be very, very good from your point of view. Yeah, it's amazing, you know, the, to see the growth of the, the team over the last four or five years has been incredible. You know, the, there's um, been a clear direction of what they're trying to set out to achieve and um, to see what they've actually achieved is, is amazing. And, yeah, I mean, I've got to pinch myself. Um, you know, I can't really believe that I'm part of the team. And, you know, we obviously had our own supercar team back in the day and we're very much a privateer team. So to, to be racing now with one of the biggest teams in the country and you know one of the biggest teams in the world really with Penske uh, is amazing and I'm learning a lot and seeing how they go about their their racing and um, it's really impressive to be part of. So I want to try and stay there as long as I can and um, that's why I'm going to try and do the best job I can and uh, you know each year I'm, that's all I've sort of focused on and. Um, yeah, fortunate enough to get a tap on the shoulder, you know, green light for the following year. So that's uh, that's the goal. We'll see how we go. Uh, Dale Rogers. One thing, uh, Tony, is, just was one thing I was going to ask you, Tony, is, is that uh, uh, sorry, Gavin, Tony, was one thing is that, that you always, no matter what happens, you will go down in history as a Penske driver, and that's uh, that's that's a pretty important status in global motorsport to have that against the CV. 
oh, it's very cool, you know, um, to to be involved with that group and uh, just the, the success that they're having across the world is, is phenomenal. Um, you know, we'd like to try and get uh, a big win for them this year at Bathurst. There's no doubt in that. Uh, one of the one of the cars to do it, obviously my car. <laughs> it's um, yeah, I mean they're an amazing organisation, and and when they they often send little mementos or a little book about the history of Penske or what they're up to. Um, that's really cool when it you know rises in your mailbox at home and or a Christmas card or something from Roger. Um, that's pretty special, you know. It's not every day that you have that sort of connection with someone that's so successful and looks up so many different people in different categories and they still think of you back in Australia and your the real role that you play with their race team. A Christmas card from Roger. <laughs> <laughs> That's nice to say. Now, Dale Rogers, you're a bit of a you're a bit of a mongrel because I heard what you did there before, and I, I don't think you've taken any further. You mentioned to Tony that he was fortunate enough to keep the contract at uh, DJR Team Penske, while Luke Yulden wasn't. Uh, but you, Luke Yulden actually went on to win a Bathurst. No, no, I said he moved so, on. I said he moved on. So I'm, I'm not having a go at Luke because I also know Luke really is a great bloke. No, but no, with, but yeah. with the two co- with the two co-drivers that were there, I got my point was. Yeah. Tony was a better in Tony's camp, but he was the one who was the same. My well, point, because, because Frenchy was always coming with Frenchy. <laughs> when um, when Scotty Pye moved on uh, to Walkershaw Racing, I thought that was, to be honest, the end because you know Fabs and and Luke had such a great relationship and had been together for, forever. So I didn't didn't even think that it was you know possible. Um, but yeah, I suppose Luke, you know, went on the next year and won Bathurst with Dave Reynolds. So <laughs> he, uh, I don't know who got the better deal, but uh, we actually were on the podium with him at Bathurst that year. And yeah, it, was, yeah, it, was, yeah. it was quite special. So it was, it was a little bit weird, but <laughs> it was it was cool. So obviously, you know, Luke and um, we had a great relationship there. And I remember when we were, we first got signed, and we were like. Like kids in a candy store, honestly, we're like, this is amazing. This is gonna be the best mm. year ever. So, you know, crazy that we're racing for these guys. And um, yeah, I'm, I'm like I said, I'm I'm very happy that I'm still there. But I don't think we've got uh, the second prize. That's for sure. No, no doubt about it. And Tony, quick, you you mentioned that uh, you did have your privateer team a while back in supercars. Do you look back mm. at that time now, knowing what? You've seen it at uh, at the Shell V Power mm-hmm. Racing Team and at others, and think to yourself, "How the hell did we do it? How the hell did we even compete <laughs> at the level that we were at compared to where they're at now?" Oh, look, I don't, I don't know whether we could compete the, the level it is now. You know, that was uh, quite a few years ago now, but it does make me laugh at times when um, you know I look at how well the drivers are looked after and um, the, the detail that these teams go to. Uh, to get a result, and we weren't able to go to that detail, um, just you know, purely not because we didn't want to, because the funding um, was so difficult to, to get. So um, I, I am like in the cancel when I walk around DJ Intensity because um, they they don't uh, miss anything, you know. And, and though you would know, there's, there's so much effort and work that goes in yeah. to getting those cars right. Yeah. Um, and it is an eye opener because we, we were not at that level whatsoever. So, um, but we did the best we could, and you know, punched above our weight and all that sort of stuff. But you can certainly see why we weren't able to take it to the next level. 
So are you surprised now about single car teams and how they still compete at this level, Tony? It, Teams such as wow. there's a, there's a few out there I won't mention them, but obviously there's a fair disparity uh, disparity between those teams and the large ones. Yeah, probably the team that um, stands out to me would be Brad Jones Racing. You know they they don't really have an affiliation with you know a Triple Eight or you know another team. They sort of do their own thing in many ways, um, and you know they don't have somebody at the top there that can top up their budget if, you know, they haven't got sponsorship um, secured for the team like some of the other teams. Mm. Um, so they, they are very resourceful and, you know, Nick Perkett's well inside the top uh, 10 in the championship and we've seen Slady have wins before as well. So, you know, there's, they're really competitive um, and I think they do it on probably, well, uh, probably quarter, half the budget, you know, the I don't know the exact numbers, but they're very resourceful and they, they do get great results considering all that. So just just to finish, I'm interested, you, 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 the other thing you have been doing, you mentioned was you have run the GT Championship. The Championship is yeah. in a little bit of turmoil at the moment. There seems to be a lot of questions mm. being asked about its future. Obviously, you've had a good run. Uh, mm. You've driven with, with Max this year in the, in the Merc and you've, you've driven Ferraris before and obviously a category you enjoy. Where is it going in your in your opinion? Oh, it's a really tough one. Um, you know, a few years ago when I was driving the Ferrari with, with Grant Denyer, you know, there's 20, 30 cars on the grid. You know, I remember seeing a photo of the start line at, at Sandown and there was, you know, 30 plus cars and it was really, really strong and that wasn't that long ago. No. And, you know, the last round at Tail and Bend, I think we had about eight cars, something like it was just... You know, terrible. The, the the level at the front is still strong. I mean, we we had you know, Berto, Tanda, Van Gisberg, and you know Dom Story. All these top guys battling out the front, but there's there's only a few of us there. You know, compared to what it used to be like. Um, you know, where, where Max has decided not to race the next round at, at Sandown. No, mm. uh, I don't think he's he's the only one. But it's it's quite sad. I mean, there's amazing cars all around the country that are sitting in garages um, because they're not happy with the way the category is or the, the direction of the category. And mm. I'm not involved in that side of things. But it's there's obviously some upset car owners and team owners um, because they're not willing to take their pride and joy out and go race it. Too many bloody rules. Very, and regu- sad, too many it? rules and regulations. Just let them race, for God's sakes. Well, it's like, you know, they put the you know, band pro drivers from the sprint races this year. That was going to be the answer, and that just did absolutely nothing, you know. And they changed the format for Sandown. No one even knew about it. So, um, it, yeah. it's, like I said, I'm not involved in it, but um, from that side of things. But there's a clear um, problem there because no one is going to basically attend the next round. So, there's, there's got to be a change, you know. There's, people want to race these cars, no doubt about that. Um, recently, I've raced overseas with Adrian Deep in the Lamborghini and Cameron Conville. We went, and, we went and did a race in Suzuka because, you know, it's an iconic circuit, it's an amazing event. Um, and because, you know, Adrian would rather do that sort of event than spend similar money and do stand down and, and have, yeah. you know, short races and, 
Final one from me, Tony. Are you the happiest you've ever been in motor racing? You get the opportunity <laughs> to drive so many different cars. You're in the, the Honda, a supercar. You're in uh, a, a Lotus Aegis when you were in the uh, the Australian uh, uh, production, yeah, production yeah. cars. Thank you, last year. You've driven yeah. Ferraris, Lamborghini, everything. Is it the happiest time in your motor racing period? Oh, for sure. I'm in a purple patch. You know, there's great opportunity, and I have to, I do have to pinch myself, especially with the the DJR stuff. You know, um, great team. Love love the team. Um, you know, and, and lucky enough to be to be everything that I'm driving um, is a world class vehicle. So that's really cool, and I'm I'm very fortunate. And to be honest, you know. Years ago, when we were a privateer team and struggling and not sure what we're going to do next year, you know, I never thought that I'd be doing what I'm doing now. Um, but I, you know, there's a lot of work that goes in the background, and um, you know, I'm always pushing pretty hard to try and make things happen. So I wouldn't say that I'm sitting here and um, people are knocking down my door uh, to come and drive my race car. Um, there's a lot of work that goes on to try and make these deals happen. and uh, it's very fortunate, so I've got to make the most of it while I can. Uh, we're very fortunate too, mate, that uh, you allowed yourself to spend some time with us and have a chat. The next round of the TCR Championship is at Sandown in two weekends' time, the 20th to the 22nd of September, part of the Shannon's Nationals there. And then, of course, just a couple of weeks after that, the supercars race around Mount Panorama. Big few months coming up for you, mate. We wish you all the best with it. And once again, Thank thanks you. for your time today. Um, I'll you guys. Thanks very much. Tony Delberto joining us here on The Grid. Open Gangnam Style. Gangnam Style. Oh, Dale, it was great to have a chat there to Tony Delberto. Also good to have a chat to this man who joins us from the racetalk.com, Mark Walker. G'day to you. Bexdale, looking forward to a bit of Kiwi racing action this weekend. Yes, it should, yes, be, it's, should uh, be fun. Really great track, isn't it? I mean, we've all been there many times, and uh, it is one of the old school tracks that the supercars go to. It's fast, it's bumpy, it's it's just a wild place, and the Kiwis get behind it, probably because half the field that can win the thing are all Kiwis, so... Um, it's always just an awesome event, and it's an old-school track. Um, always love going there, so I'm sure that we're going to get some fireworks this weekend. It really reminds me a lot of Lakeside Raceway. You know, it's narrow, it's fast, it's bumpy. If there's a problem, you fix it by putting a fence in the way. Um, there's a lot of consequences there if you do make a mistake. Um, the bump's going to turn one a massive, and I think that's going to be a bit of a telling factor this weekend. You can give the Holdens all the parity in the world that they want, but are they going to be able to deal with those bumps? And that's going to be, I think, what is going to decide either way in favour of the Holdens or the Fords. Oh, Mark, I'm glad you brought that up. We'll start that off as our first topic of the weekend heading into it, the new parity changes for Holden, which were requested by uh, the team out there at Triple Eight and approved by the Commission. This has gone definitely beyond a joke now, hasn't it? Oh, look, uh, this is... The, the, the floodgates were open early in the year. The, the rules have always said they can do this. But, you know, we shouldn't we shouldn't for a moment suggest that the supercar operations manual said that this couldn't happen. It just hasn't happened. Um, 
but you know the the, the, the Nissan got a little bit last round, and the Commodore's got a bit more now. And uh, no matter what happens, uh, we are chasing parity, and they will continue to chase it all the way to, to Newcastle if they have to. But every time that uh, that number seventeen car hits the track, uh, the parity argument just ramps up because he is really the one that is driving this parity argument. Because if you take him out of the field, the field is extraordinarily competitive. You know, from from second back to to twelfth. You've got a whole bunch of cars sort of clawing over each other. So it really is, in my opinion, a bit disjointed because of the, the dominance that Scott is showing this year. So, but it, it, it will, I'm sure it's going to continue, Tony. Mark? You know, the thing that is going to be interesting this weekend for the Holden guys is that they just don't have a baseline to work off with this car. Because, I mean, like, yeah, I guess the Mustangs as well, but we know that the Mustangs have been a proven package on the fast circuits. We saw it at Phillip Island, and then bang, they did it again at Tail and Bend. But they come into this round with a package that hasn't seen the racetrack before. Um, obviously, they've got the single spring change as well. So there's a few little things in there that they're going to have to take a bit of a stab at, have an educated guess. It might, it might work for them. It might absolutely work for them. It might be exactly what they need to bring them up to speed on these fast and flying tracks. You know, the, that opening practice is going to be very, very telling. Yeah, well, it certainly is. There's no doubt about that. The other point that I think is quite pertinent for this weekend is that opportunity of running a sprint round before our first of the Enduros, which becomes Bathurst. It's been okay when you've been able to run a sprint round before Sandown because you've been able to then bed some stuff in for Sandown before Bathurst. Teams don't get that opportunity to do that this weekend, or I suppose, do they? Will there be any teams that are willing to forgo a decent result at Pukekohe to try and get it right for Mount Panorama a few weeks later? No. There'll be no one doing that because pretty well every team on the grid has saved their last test day uh, for post Pukekohe. So when the cars get back, I, I think you'll find that most teams that have one up their sleeve will, will put their test day in and that will be their enduro test. It's traditionally been the way it's been done before Sandown. I know that time's going to be a bit tight uh, getting, the, getting the cars back, but I would say that there will be a flurry of testing um, before the load of Man Panorama. Um, you know, I know that, that uh, Alex Premar will be here uh, beforehand, so I, I think that's the time when they do it. Let's see. The cars will be will be dialed in. Pookie is, is one of those, as, as Mark said, it, it, it's a circuit that, that is, you couldn't you couldn't possibly think I'm going to get my, 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 some, my info for there to go to the mountain. It's, it's, it's chalk and cheese. And the, the 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 interesting thing, as you mentioned about the Commodores as well, is that yes, the ZB did race there last year, and uh, uh, but it goes back as a very different car, and I think that's that's the, the telling point is that the, it, it may as well be a new car in some respects, because a lot a lot of the teams keep denying it. Uh, but the single biggest thing that's happened to this car is, has been the spring charge, and uh, it, it keeps tending to rear its head um, where these cars just don't seem to be able to dial themselves in. It's a bit of a different vibe this weekend, lads. Like typically, when it was run after the Enduros, everyone was just a bit knackered. You get over there, you're a bit drained after the Gold Coast, after all those big Enduros. This year, you're still a bit fresh from these uh, sprint races coming into the pointy end of the season. So it's a bit of a different vibe uh, you're getting from everyone heading into the weekend. The other thing too to keep in mind is that being a flyaway event, there's no tyre bank being used. Everyone's got fresh boots from practice number one. So yep. uh, there's yep. no excuses. There's no hiding behind tyres being a factor this weekend. If you're 
off the uh, down the bottom of the time chart, uh, you're there for a reason. One of the interesting stats that I saw uh, during the week, gentlemen, is the fact that uh, this is the seventh running of the Jason Richards Memorial Trophy at Pukekohe. It was introduced, of course, in 2013 after the passing of Jason. Since that time, though, Jamie Winkup's the only multiple winner, so it has been a track that has thrown up a few surprises. Yes, it has, Tony, it's for sure. The, um, you know, I, I think that there is going to be a lot of pressure on DJ Santensky. They've done particularly well there with with the FGX over the years. Um, their battle last year with uh, with Eight was fantastic to the point where um, Scott couldn't even get out of the car when uh, <laughs> when Giz decided to, to park next to him. Um, look, I think there's probably a couple of teams that we, we, we keep an eye on this weekend. Um, Tony Dalberto's mentioned Brad Jones Racing. They can do things at tracks that you think, boy, where did that come from? Um, that's a team that could pop up at any track and, and, and annoy the the top five. Um, after that, you, yeah, I mean, the, the, the Walkinshaw team, we're still... The big question over the sponsorship was there, of course. Uh, JRM the same. The Nissans, um, you know, again, often Friday you go, whoa, wow, they they look like they're on the pace, or a couple of them could be on the pace, or alternatively, they're off the pace if they come on strong on Sunday afternoon. But once you leave that that top four cars, you've really then got to look at the Tickford group, um, and they could be the they could be the fly on the ointment this weekend. Um, they're they're coming on strong. Will Davidson doing a great job. Chazzy's doing a great job. As is Cam Waters. Um, so you'd have to think that 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 the the battle really is with with the the Tickford group, and of course the two protagonists uh, Triple Eight and uh, and and DJ Sampensky. But this track does lend itself to great racing. Uh, you know, even the modifications they made, which a lot of people you know, really got a bit hot under the collar about the end of the, end of the back straight, has made for a great passing opportunity and, and it, it, it really just brings the, the whole thing to life. So if, if you throw a couple extra Mustangs in there with, uh, with Fabian and, um, and Scotty, uh, the Triple Eight cars, you know, we might have a top 10 that's absolutely really, really on fire. And, of course, don't forget uh, the best performing um, Holden team, of course, is Erebus. Um But a lot of Kiwis racing for, for National Pride over there this weekend. So... Uh, uh, you know, the, the, the top five could well be a whole bunch of Kiwis. Yeah, one to keep an eye out, I reckon, Fabian Coulthard. He's come off a couple of tough rounds by yep. his standards. And, I mean, he still wants to keep his place up there at P2 in the point standings. He you know, wants to prove a point in that he's got his number two, you know. And he's coming off two very tough rounds at Pukekohe in the last couple of years. That team's had some massive rebuilds there after that rollover and that big shunt coming under the pit straight. Like, that corner's really been hard on him in the last couple of years. But yeah. even then, you look at Triple Eight. Like, they had that big rebuild there with Lambsy a few years ago uh, when he had the tyre let go yeah. down the end of the yeah. main straight. So there's plenty of places that this joint can bite you. And, you know, they're sort of spares limited too. Being a flyaway, they've only got the container there with whatever they've packed from home. So hopefully, fingers crossed, they can all get through Friday and Saturday unscathed and, and ultimately get through Sunday unscathed so they can have an easy build-up in the Bathurst. It's funny, it's funny you mentioned the uh, Kiwi drivers wanting to win there in New Zealand. Uh, currently, the stats say that the Australian drivers have been more successful. 25 of the 40 races at Pukekohe have been won by Aussie drivers. Uh, Rick Kelly, boys, only four drivers ahead of him in the um, most amount of start stakes in supercars. He goes around for his 250th uh, over at Pukekohe. Been a, a fantastic driver since he debuted in 2001, hasn't he? Oh, he has. Tony's been one of the, one of the real 
you know, grow to this category. It's a little bit sad to see, you know, a championship winner in a position they're in. I, I you know, I think he, he, he can mix it still. Uh, he's still a very, very talented driver. Uh, Andre Humgartner has certainly shown in that team that if he can pick the car up and throw it round by its neck, it can be competitive. But it's competitive for the bottom half of the top ten. That's the problem. So yeah, I think I think Rick would be would be loving to to get into something. And the rumours are around that uh, uh, Mustangs could be on the horizon for that team. Uh, there is certainly talk about it that uh, they they are in deep discussion both internally and I assume externally that uh, they have to look at a package for. 2020 and onwards. Uh, one of the things, of course, that is that there is also rumour that they might uh, drop it back to two, and that would that would almost certainly be Rick and Andre Heimgartner. Uh, but whatever happens, yeah, I, I think you, you don't like seeing championship winners uh, and people that, that have raced at that level and have that record. Um, you know, that aiming for probably a best result of P5. It's it, it's it's not something the championship really wants. Not to take anything away from the teams that are, that are dominating, but the the Nissan is, does not look like a race winner to me at, at, at any point this season. I don't know where these rumours about the two car deal at Nissan keeps coming from because the whole setup there is based around having four cars. Like they've got yeah. a full yeah. manufacturing setup there, four cars, and that's why they wouldn't go to the Commodore because all the Commodore bits have to come out of Triple Eight or the right. preferred suppliers. So yeah. they wouldn't. Yeah go to that, they'd go to the Ford because they can still produce a lot of the parts in-house there. So they sort of set up four cars, so I don't see how the economy would work by just splashing back to two. Uh, that aside, Rick Kelly, top bloke out of all the guys I've ever dealt with on a PR level, I reckon he's an absolute ripper. Uh, it's sort of funny with his social media and everyone secretly likes him. Like, they don't want to be seen to be a Rick Kelly fan, but they actually do like him because he is absolutely great value. And it's a good like call. His social stats are very funny to see that people that don't want to actually like his page, but they love what he does. So, uh, well done, Rico. Good start. It's important to get a, uh, a good start, especially in qualifying uh, at Pukekohe. Uh, most of the winners have come from the front, haven't they, gentlemen? And that normally lends itself to the, the more powerful cars. Yeah, it has done it. And look, it's, it's it's a sort of track that you're going to see 12, 13, 14, 16 cars within six tenths of a second. So it's not, as though it's, <laughs> it's not as though that you're going to uh, find the that, that you've got guys at the back that are you know 2.5 seconds off off the top. So it it, it it lends itself to the fact that you're going to have big freight trains of cars, but the circuit does offer parking opportunities. There's no question about that. It does do it, but you know, we're seeing more and more and more of these cars. You know, even the drivers are saying now they are so aero dependent that that the braking distances now are, are quite crazy. And I think you know we've we've been had a look at a couple of circuits this year on a Friday practice, and you walk down to a 150 or 100 metre mark into a corner, and you just wonder how a car can pass each other because they're not braking till then. You, you, you know, then you really need to be taking that braking distance back 100 metres so you can actually spear down the inside if you're in a, you're in a pack of you know, 13, 14, 15 pipes. All that tends to happen is you just get you get hit up the back and you hit the guy in front of you. So it's, um, yeah, this is, I guess, the, the aero problem that motorsport has globally. Not unique to supercars, but uh, certainly there's a, there's a lot of freight train racing at this track. But uh, inevitably, there's also a lot of cars that tend to have you know very broken bonnets and back ends on these cars at Pukekohe, and uh, I think that's one of the appeals of the sort of old-style circuit. I think uh, one of the things we've got to keep an eye on this weekend is that it's quite a short lap, but there's no knockout qualifying. 
20 minutes all in both days yes. to shoot out on Sunday. So I yep. think that has the potential to be quite manic there. So uh, you'd want to have everything sorted out in qualifying to make sure you get a good run. You get a good run, yeah, absolutely right. Yeah. Yep. Who wins, boys? Uh, oh, New Zealand at the moment. Don't all jump in at once. Well, well I'd have to say Scott McLaughlin because I really want to go out there on a limb. Well, we had we had a. Scott... I've been I've been doing the I'm putting shield boots around my car this weekend, uh, but I I just have the certain certain suspicion that we might just see uh, one of those Red Bull uh, Holden just mess it up a bit. And then as as Mark said, I, I agree. I think that I think the, the the Joker here could well be Coulthard. He has to get this thing back on track. Chaz has overtaken him in the second place in the championship. Um, they do not want to see uh, Fabian fall at all. Um, he's a you know he's a quality driver. They've signed him for another year. Um, he could well be a, a real surprise second this weekend. And the other thing too to keep an eye on this weekend because it's a bit earlier in the year, it's going to be cool. Sort of tops around 15 degrees, yes, and true. I believe Saturday precipitations on the cards, so that could really mix things up. Mm, okay. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> Looking forward to that. And uh, don't forget also, if you're heading over to Pukekohe, make sure you head down to Hampton Downs and tell them Tony sent you. You will uh, get looked after quite well. <laughs> uh, gentlemen, Formula One, uh, an amazing weekend of racing and uh, gee whiz, we all went to bed on Saturday night after qualifying thinking, what the hell just happened there? Yeah, it's it's really interesting. We've spoken about this a couple of times in, on recent editions of On The Grid and uh, it's almost as though that, that someone picked Formula 1 up, bashed it around the years and said, we're not putting up this anymore, go and give us some good races. Because this is falling on the trot now and it's just uh, scintillating racing. Uh, Really, really intense at the front. Um, qualifying was an interesting thing, but you know, once again, um, it, it's, it's, it was well known that that toe at Monza is worth point, you know, nearly 0.05 a second. So you are talking about a three or four row grid bonus if you can get it right. Um, so no wonder everyone was mucking around. I think it became absolute lunacy what occurred. Um, you know, Hulkenberg faking a, uh, oh, I've just locked a brake, I've got to go up the escape road, and everyone else saying, well, I'm just going to wait till he comes back on track. But it, what, what it does, I think, it says, qualifying is such an important part of the Formula 1 weekend. It, it's, it's, the, it's the crescendo on Saturday. It's what brings a lot of people through the gates, you know, even at Albert Park, and things, even if they're not going on Sunday, they see some practice, they see the qualifying. It almost says to you that, that we've got it pretty right here, we, we can we can run a number of different qualifying sessions. We've adopted the knockout thing, which I think is great. Why the hell don't they give them a top ten shootout? Well, because the thing thought... is, though, yeah. Well, the thing is, though, like qualifying across the world is such a scientific thing these days. We've had the exact same deal where nobody wants to go and nobody sets the lap time in NASCAR qualifying, and subsequently yep. they've had to tweak that to force people to go out there and set a time and set a time. Yeah. yeah. What my big question for the weekend is, will Mercedes bounce back? It's two, two weekends on the trot where they haven't fired. Are they going to rebound? One Singapore, so. I, Singapore you, I don't think you'll see which way they went. Yep. Um, you know, Ferrari, there's no doubt that Ferrari have got a, uh, they've, they've got a power advantage and that's, they just haven't used it that well this year, but it's, it's been beautifully played the last couple of rounds. Uh, but 
I would say Singapore, if, if Hamilton and Bottas don't lock that thing out, I'd be very, very surprised. Um, there's always, you know, a fair chance that Singapore is an accident as well, as we've seen many times. But you'd have to think on form, uh, Hamilton and Bottas will go there as, as favourites in front of it. But who knows? I mean, the, the good thing, I think, from the, from the sports point of view is that Renault were genuinely the next best team on the weekend. Sure, Max uh, had a penalty. Uh, but Ricardo drove a great, qualified beautifully, um, yeah, and really drove a great race. Uh, got a fortuitous pit stop uh, with the virtual safety car, which cleared him away from Hockenberg. Um, I loved his comment at the end of the thing. I don't know if you saw that or not, but it, 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 you know, when they always go across the line, and there's always this sort of rather strange comments coming from cars. Ricardo's was pizza, pizza, pizza. Yeah. So uh, you know, <laughs> he was clearly enjoying himself, and I think that will that will put a spring in his step for the rest of the year. And you know, hopefully he can get a couple more. I mean, that's really where he is. If he if he can be the fourth, fifth, and sixth in races, that's the best he can hope for. And, and if he can pull a few more off during the year, you know, it'll 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 end the season for him on a high after what's been a pretty ordinary start for the Renault career. But uh, I, I just can't see Mercedes not bouncing back. Actually, Mark, I just think they're it's, it's, they're such a good package with these tracks. Obviously, caught him out of it. Yeah. Well, one more for you, Vettel. Is he cooked? Is he done? Well, actually, it's, it's 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 pointing you mentioned that, Mark, because I was going to ask basically the same sort of question. But on the other side, has Leclerc actually put his foot down and stamped some sort of authority in this team by what he did in qualifying and and basically say, well, hang on, I'm actually a contender here. I'm not going to stick to the well, team he broke rules. The agreement, he broke the agreement, Tony, and yeah. uh, the agreement was that that they would they would they'd do one lead each in 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 uh, in Q3. Uh, admittedly, the end of it was a disaster, but um, he did not honour uh, what is a team agreement. And uh, as Martin Bundle said, he is still part of the team, but he certainly sent a message saying, I may be, but uh, I'm looking for number one. So is Vettel Cook? No, I don't think he is. Um, he's, had, he's had teammates that have done this to him. Uh, one, Daniel Ricciardo, did exactly this to him when he was uh, last year at Red Bull. He actually destroyed Vettel that year. Um, and Vettel was just wrong. And don't forget what Patel did to Mark Webber. I mean, what yeah. what a team order's worth anyway. That's right. Absolutely right. So I think he's uh, I don't think he's cooked, uh, but I think Ferrari has got a new uh, a new hero, and uh, they'll fall out of love with him pretty quick if Leclerc keeps doing what he's doing at the moment. No doubt, boys. Always great to catch up with you. Enjoy your weekend watching the action from Pukekohe, and uh, we'll talk again shortly. Thanks, you're back. Cheers, lads. Mark. See you guys. Mark Walker and Dale Rogers joining us here on The Grid. This is On The Grid on mypodcasthouse.com. Well, there you have another great episode of On The Grid wrapped up for you. Thanks, Tony Delberto, for your time. Great to have a good chat to you, Dale Rogers and Mark Walker as well. Richard Crowell will be back with the boys next week for our review of what happened at Pukekohe. All that to come right here on the grid, powered by the racetalk.com, with thanks to our great friends at Truck Assist.